G'day and welcome to the Bellingen Coworking Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Woodward. It's March and the year is nearly a third over. Already this year we've spoken about uh, physical and mental health. We've also spoken about how to best work at home uh, alone as a co-worker or just a, a sole trader. And today we're going to have a chat about something we spoke about at the co-working workshop recently and that's having difficult conversations. And we all do difficult conversations, be them at home, be them at work, be them with our children, our families, our co-workers, uh, clients or whatever. And with us to talk about that is a, a Bellingen resident. His name is Graham Richardson, and he's an executive coach uh, working for Horizons Unlimited. He's recognised as being one of the best in the country. And we're going to have what I hope is not a difficult conversation with Graham uh, today about having uh, difficult conversations. So, Graham, and just having a chat about this before we came on and started recording, uh, a phrase you spoke about a lot was EQ emotional intelligence or emotional quotient I think is the right phrase can you just tell us exactly what it is because it's something you're going to talk a little bit about today yes so thanks Andrew so emotional intelligence uh, is a is something that a guy called Daniel Goleman coined uh, and he called it an oxymoron um, on, on the basis <laughs> that well first of all there's the emotion and second of all, there's, there's the intelligence. And um, those two things don't seem to sit together too well. Uh, they seem to be in conflict. And I guess that's at the essence of a difficult conversation, is how do you actually manage this whole idea of managing your emotions in an intelligent or constructive way? So uh, uh, there's a, I guess with difficult conversations, there, there is a rule. Um, and uh, there's just one rule, and it's the first and the last rule, which is the whole idea of growing up, just to become an adult. Um, because actually EQ is a new word for a very old word, and that word is maturity. Then we've all seen people with loads of maturity over the years. We've also seen people become very immature very quickly um, in um, you know, stressful environments and not so stressful environments. Maybe you could just define for us to get the conversation underway what a difficult conversation actually is. Yeah, indeed. And I think that's a perfect intro, thanks, that you just did there because um, uh, there's a company called Vital Smarts who do a program called Crucial Conversations. And um, what they say is when we get into a difficult conversation, one of the problems is that we very quickly turn into a wild animal, um, either attacking um, or receding uh, so like you know becoming a hedgehog if you like or becoming an angry bear so they, they, they have an interesting definition of a crucial conversation or otherwise a difficult conversation which is there are three parts first the stakes are relatively high um, now they don't have to be really high they just need to be perceived as high uh, so, you know, this might be you at a parking um, situation where, and along comes the parking attendant uh, and uh, you apparently think the stakes are high. Well, if you do, then they are uh, and you start reacting accordingly. So the first is that the stakes are apparently high. The second is that there's the potential to disagree. And the third is that emotions can run high. And as soon as those three things come together, you are in a difficult conversation. But I would argue that one of the things about difficult conversations is is the mismatch between both parties that one thinks the stakes are high and the other, for the want of a better phrase, doesn't give a shit. They don't... about the subject matter. Mm. So 
is there a way to get alignment between what both parties think? What, what's your view on that? Um, I thought you just said you were arguing. I didn't hear an <laughs> argument. Okay. Because um, that's equally fine. If, if one party sees those three things in place yes. and the other doesn't, doesn't matter, we're in a difficult conversation. Sure. It only takes one side, sure. not just both. Okay. So I, I guess difficult conversations are ones that you can plan for. I know in my own instance where I've been at work and I've had to talk to a subordinate and I've made notes about what I want to say to this person, so I'm just articulate. There are other conversations where you don't realise you're in a difficult conversation or someone ambushes you, and I've been ambushed in the workplace over the years, and I must say they're the most difficult conversations for me personally. And then you have difficult conversations that just manifest themselves as the conversation goes on. It gets worse and worse um, and worse. So what's your approach in general for people? What would you recommend to people for dealing with difficult conversations? Um, okay, so I'm just processing um, the first part of what you said, Yes. Um, which is, yes, uh, you, you can enter into difficult conversations. You, you can plan for it, you can be ambushed, or they can just happen. Yes, and there's, I would, a, fourth, I would say. And there's a fourth. Right. Um, so that's right. And there's a fourth, which is, these are the kind of uh, the conversations that are persistent. Yes, yes. So Every conversation is a difficult conversation with person X. Or not only just that, or it might be like, um, uh, to give you a silly example, is uh, driving on the roads, hmm. right? A persistent, difficult conversation you might be having, and in this case, primarily with yourself, is the way people drive. People pushing in, people not stopping at stop signs, that may get your goat, right? Hmm. Now this is a difficult conversation with yourself, right? Or it might be a difficult conversation you're having with a loved one, uh, like for example, um, my wife, right? Who insists on pushing the um, toothpaste tube at the top so that all the, the toothpaste goes to the bottom and then I have to come and push all the toothpaste back up <laughs> to the top so that I can get it out properly. And she will not, right? Believe it or not, that is a difficult conversation between us. Right. So therefore, let's use that as a case study because you've raised, yes. you've opened your bathroom door to everyone listening to this podcast. So then let's have a, use that as a case study. Can you walk us through the process you would use in that to have that difficult conversation? And I'm not sure what the outcome of that conversation is going to be, but maybe that's part of what you're going to tell us about. Yes, so um, that in a way takes us back to the beginning of this conversation, which is once, once you're able to understand that actually this is about growing up and being mature, the question you want to ask yourself before you enter any difficult conversation is, what's your intent for this conversation? Do you want a mutually acceptable outcome? Do you want to prove yourself right? And the corollary of that is, the other person is wrong. And by the way, there's a little twist on that one. Do you want to not be proved wrong yourself? Therefore, you don't. Well, you want to stop the other person proving themselves right. You might think this sounds silly, but actually the more you delve into and analyze difficult conversations, that's most of the time what actually makes it difficult, is this whole who's right, who's wrong. 
and do you and there I would argue too that you also want to be heard you just want to use it as a megaphone opportunity uh, yeah well as as we'll say a little later in this conversation no doubt actually human beings have no greater need psychologically than to be heard but also not disagreed with they want to be acknowledged and they want to be validated so when I'm in a difficult conversation with you if you're not validating me chances are if I don't grow up and have my EQ working right I'm going to be upset and we're going to enter a difficult conversation okay. so continue on the process for us right so we've, we've, we've laid down the whole idea of intent now, yes. what is it you want to achieve let's assume uh, and we'll take the case of the toothpaste tube right what do I want to achieve here well is it that I want the, to the toothpaste tube handled properly or is it that I want to remain in a loving relationship with my wife right because she says get over it right and now I feel violated you see because it's important to me apparently that the toothpaste tube is handled properly but I have to say to myself no this isn't worth it just get over it Graham um, you know there are things I do and I won't tell you about the things I do that she asked me not to do that I keep doing. I bet it involves the toilet paper being over the roll or under the roll, but we won't deal with that today. Uh, you've lost the bet, but, but uh, <laughs> th things more fundamental than that. So, yeah, intent. Now, uh, so once you have your intent sorted, then this whole idea of self-control starts to come in. Do you trust yourself to have this conversation in a constructive way and manage yourself? So the psychosomatics of this come into play. What do I mean by psychosomatics? I mean what's going on psychologically and the way that manifests itself in your body. So uh, when we did the talk uh, at the, at the co-work, uh, we noticed that people were talking about sweaty palms. Um, we were talking about crossing arms. Dry mouth. Dry mouth and all that kind of stuff. So that's that self-awareness piece. Notice that if your chin's gone up and your eyes have opened wide and your, nos your nostrils are flaring, right, you are emotionally out of control. Okay. You are not going to be able to manage a difficult conversation overly well unless, of course, you're a bully and you're going to force the other person into submission. Right. <laughs> so... That, that, that's about the whole idea of self-management, self-control. So you need to learn soothing practices that actually help you get control of yourself and to manage that psychosomatic reaction. So that might be, as some of the people said, learn to breathe. So slow down, breathe deeply. It might be noticing where your tongue is in your mouth. Uh, funnily enough, most people don't seem to think about this, but actually when they get tense, a lot of people, if they become aware of it, notice that their tongue gets pushed hard up against their top teeth. And just by relaxing your tongue, right, you actually start to notice that actually, physically, I'm stressed. And as they say in Vital Smarts with Crucial Conversations, when you're stressed, you're probably turning into a crocodile. <laughs> So, which leads us to the next piece, which is now we're about to enter into a difficult conversation. So, going back to the toothpaste thing, every now and again, like I did two days ago, uh, I might say to my wife, can I talk to you about the toothpaste tube? And she says, yes, I know. Okay, I'll recommit. <laughs> so, that's the beginning and the end of the conversation. Um, 
but it, it's because now I've asked for permission, right? She knows what's coming, um, and she she's prepared this time to commit to handling the tube well. Other occasions, she might say to me, just get over it, Graham. Right? Well, actually, in the event at that time, that's really good advice. Mm. Because if I try and pursue this difficult conversation at that time, it isn't going to go well because I'm going to jab back. So my self-control needs to kick in now and I need to say, that's okay, this time I'll let it go. You don't have to win every conversation. You don't have to win every conversation. And we'll talk about that at the end in terms of what is success. So you need to ask permission. This is the point. So, So I'm about to get into a difficult conversation with you and I say to you, can we have a conversation about this? I'd like to see if we can find some kind of mutual resolution, right? Notice the tone and notice what I call the tentative language. I don't say, we're going to have this difficult conversation now, okay? Yes, yes. Uh, you get the yeah, point, yeah, yeah. right? There's, a, there's a, a way of saying this is, would you be willing? That, and that, by the way, that's Stephen Covey's language again. He says those words have magic. Would you be willing to have this conversation with me right now? I'd be really appreciative if you would. Now, by the way, let's just take the worst case scenario. No. <laughs> right? Now, by the way, no means no. And so, what do you do? But you told us the other day the answer to every question is yes. Uh, that's true, except when it means no. Now you're confusing me. <laughs> Yes, because being human is confusing. So that was a different context, Andrew. <laughs> so when, when, the, when a person says, sometimes when a person says yes, it means no. How can you tell? Well, you can tell by the psychosomatics, the, langu- the body language, the tone they use. That you say, you might say, would you be willing to have this conversation? And they say, yes. Doesn't sound very convincing, right? So be careful how you proceed. If you launch in, you might be moving over a no. So you need permission. Now, if the person says no, then it's perfectly permissible for you to ask for an alternative or a counter proposal. So is there a time that would be better? Would you be willing ever to have this conversation? Because I'd like, and now you move to the next level called relationship, right? You know what? I'd like to be in a good relationship with you. This conversation is getting in the way of that. I'd love to have a more constructive, loving relationship with you. You know, would it be okay if at some point in time we can have this conversation? Notice that you're not shrinking away or, or abdicating. The message is the same. You want to have this conversation and you're not necessarily backing off. You're staying committed to having the conversation. It's not the same as saying, oh, okay, forget it. Actually, that's the wussy answer. The courageous answer is I'm not giving up, but I'm going to do this in the best possible way constructively. So now we have permission. The person says yes. So you're now in a position to make it safe. And that's, that's the next kind of important point here. Making it safe means I've made it safe on the basis that I've asked for permission. I have my intent sorted. I've got myself grown up and I'm approaching this in a mature way. I've now given them permission 
to behave in a similar way because they know now that I'm not being aggressive they do know that I'm committed to a, a constructive conversation they can if they choose to now enter in a like way as opposed to being aggressive or, or trying to be nice by the way that's another conversation but being nice is disgusting right. being nice means it's okay don't worry Sure. That's just an abdication, and it's probably the weakest form uh, that there is. So we've made it safe. Now we have to start listening. And actually, this is the biggest part of any difficult conversation without any shadow of doubt. And so I'm, I want to now refer to a guy called Isaacs who wrote a book called Dialogue, in which he talks about listening and why you would want to listen. That's an interesting question, isn't it? Why would you want to listen to somebody? To learn, to be informed, to show respect to them. Yes, yes. That's off the top of my head. Yes. What else is there? There's, that's all true, and it comes under one heading. It's to build rapport. Sure, yep, yeah, yeah. I, I, get, I get that, yep. Right. So now, well, by the way, if you get that, you've actually resolved the difficult conversation right there. Because if I'm in rapport with you, it means, and I'm going to put this in funny language... We're in love. Right. I mean, what else could it mean? Because we're now aligned, aren't we? If, if you and I are in rapport, we are caring for one another. Mm. We are able to listen to one another. Respect. We're respecting one another. Right? This is a thing called love. Right? So, now, if you build rapport, one of the things you've got to do in order to build and maintain rapport is respect my point of view or put it the other way I need to respect yours now by the way I completely disagree with you that is why we are in a difficult conversation I'm trying to build rapport with you and I'm now being asked to respect your point of view does that mean I have to agree no it means I have to validate that that is your opinion so you're saying so what you believe is XYZ I don't necessarily agree but I get that that's what you think or how you feel. So now the person's going, okay, they at least understand. They may not agree. Sure. Right? Now, by the way, we just presume those things as a rule. We just slide over them. They actually need to be said. You need to validate the other person. So that's another way of maintaining this rapport. Okay. But there's a trick you have to do in order to be able to A, build and maintain rapport and respect the person's what I call worldview, the way they see things. You have to be able to suspend the voice in your head. Now you might ask, and this is an old joke, right, which voice are you talking about? And it's the one that's asking in your head, which voice are we talking about? Right? Because I know for me, I've got several voices. Right? One of them's going, you AH, I don't really want to have this conversation with you. But another voice is going, calm down, Graham. We said we were going to have a difficult conversation. And the other one says, we have to have this conversation. And the other one says, I wish I wasn't here right now. Got it. Yeah. Bingo. Perfect. Well said. Yeah. All of that's going on. So now, in order to be able to have this conversation and to be able to listen, because that's the subject we're under right now, you have to suspend all of those voices you have to quiet the voices in your head now why how does that work well if I'm listening to you and you're talking and rabbiting on okay see there's a voice in my head going he's rabbiting on 
like I am now, right? Is you have to you have to actually uh, go. Okay, if if I'm in my head and I'm thinking, well, what he's saying I don't agree with, or I'm thinking when he's finished talking, here's what I'm going to say. How's it possible you can be listening to what the other person's saying with all that going on in your head? So the whole idea of suspending means I've got to actually quiet all those voices and be able to be, and here's a word, be present to the person and what they're saying. And by the way, they know if you're present because they can see in your body language, your eyes, the, 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 the little muscles in your face, right? It's telling them where you're breathing is. Yeah, your posture, your breathing, everything. Yeah, yeah. It, people know if you're listening or not. So you're, if you're not listening, you've broken rapport. Mm, okay. And you're over. It's over. Now, why would you want to listen having built rapport, having shown respect and suspended the voice in your head? What's the outcome of this? Well, the outcome is you've given the other person voice. And as we said earlier in this conversation, that's the thing people most need in life, is to be heard and validated. So, habit number five. Yes, what did you want to say? I was just going to say, it's sort of like having your day in court, isn't it? You know, you you get your chance to tell your story. Exactly. Right. So that's the perfect segue back to habit number five, seven habits of highly effective people. First, seek to understand. Notice you've just done that. Then to be understood, now we need permission again. I've listened to you, have I heard you? That's a question by the way. Yes. And if the person says no, start again. Yes. And Covey says, this will slow you down and save you time and money. And I say, it will save you your relationship. Good point. So, yes? Yeah. So, I was just going to say that one of the issues I have when it comes to difficult conversations is that I, I stupidly choose to have them via email. Right. You're suggesting everything should be done eye to eye, over the phone, face to face, or can you have difficult conversations in writing? So the answer to all of that is yes. Yes. You knew that was coming, I, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, sorry, silly me. <laughs> <laughs> the answer to that is, Andrew, anything that works. Right. I mean, I was talking to one of our staff just this morning. Um, and uh, she was saying to me, um, you know, one of the problems I have with you, Graham, right, is you, you, if you want to book a flight or something, you always ring me. Why don't you send me an email? And I, th- I thought for a second, that's a really good question. And then I thought, I don't want to send you an email. I want to talk to you. You know, so that's a preference of mine. It's horses for courses. Horses yeah, for yeah. courses. Some people are better with email, some are better over the phone, some prefer face-to-face. Yeah, okay. Yes. So, so look, wrapping up, because uh, we've covered a lot today. Yes. If you can give any kind of really succinct advice, maybe two or three quick tips on common mistakes that people make with difficult conversations what are they so I'll just summarize where we've come from first is check your intent if it's positive if it's a make wrong make right you're in trouble Um, intervene with what's going on with you psychosomatically what's happening in your body Uh, if you notice you're under stress 
then things are not likely to go very well. So you need to find ways of self-soothing. Get permission. Always ask the person if it's okay to have this difficult conversation. And if not, on you know, no is no. Make it safe. Start to listen. And in order to listen, you must build rapport. You must validate their point of view. You must suspend the voice in your head. You must give them voice before you can yourself get voice. So that's this whole idea of first seek to understand, then be understood. And that's basically it. So, Graham, if people want more information on this or something to read or a website to go to, what can you recommend? Uh, well, there's, well, there's many, many resources. Uh, I can recommend the book Dialogue by Isaacs. Um, but if anybody wants to have further conversation about this, they can always make contact with me and, and ring me on my mobile. I'll always get back to them. Okay. And where can we, and where can we find you online, Graham? Online? Oh, uh, well, my, my uh, email address is... Graham, G-R-A-H-A-M, at Horizons Unlimited, all one word, horizonsunlimited.com.au. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. So, Graham, thank you very much for having a conversation today with us about difficult conversations. Um, And I think in the time ahead, we'll have some more discussions with you about some of the other uh, topics that you cover uh, in your executive coaching. So I'm Andrew Woodward. That wraps up our uh, Bellingen co-working uh, podcast uh, for today. That's our one for March this year. And we'll be back with uh, talking to some more locals in April about uh, better ways to work uh, when it comes to being in this great place, uh, Bellingen, and sharing information and increasing camaraderie with each other. Thanks very much for listening. Talk to you again soon.